0: This is Jake Brown, and I'm the preacher at Liberty Christian Church in beautiful Madison, Indiana. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Again, every Sunday, 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. You can find us at 8774 North US Highway 421. That's 8774 North US Highway 421, Madison, Indiana. If you're familiar with the area, we're just 2.2 miles north of the old Jefferson Proving Ground entrance, right on Highway 421. I want you to know this morning, though, that we love to meet new people and we love to make ourselves available to help others learn the true story of who Jesus is, what he did, why he did it, and how to personally get in on the story. Well, it's just about time for the sermon to start, so turn up the volume, tune out the distractions, and it is my prayer that you find this morning's message engaging and meaningful. Coming and going. We actually use this phrase or these two words often in different ways, in a variety of different contexts. And the meaning, of course, is slightly different in each way. Uh, You can use these words to describe something that happens as people come and go from a certain place. Uh, We might say things like travelers are officially documented as they are coming and going. You can use these words to emphasize how frequently something should be done. We might say, visitors must log their activity, coming and going. Or probably a lot of us simply uh, use it like this. We use the words to convey just how out of control a situation has become. We say things like, officials are in such a panic, they don't know whether they are coming or going. This morning's story from the road is one that is described as coming and going, and I say that because this story is recorded in three places in the Bible, Mark chapter 10, Matthew chapter 20, and Luke chapter 18, and Mark says, as he, that is Jesus, as he was leaving Jericho, Matthew starts by saying, as they were leaving Jericho, and Luke says, as Jesus was approaching Jericho. Jericho. Did this story happen on the road out of Jericho or on the road into Jericho? Does it matter? Well, if every single detail of all three accounts was exactly the same, it would matter to some. It would matter because they would say that these accounts have clearly been copied or that someone else added these stories to the Bible later. So in reality, the differences that we have between the three accounts are beneficial. It's natural and expected for three different men writing about the same event to tell it from different perspectives, emphasizing certain details and undoubtedly leaving others out. Differences are good, but contradictions, of course, create problems. Well, there are two primary explanations for this coming or going debate here, and the one that seems most likely has some good concrete, hard, geographical evidence supporting it. You see, there are two Jerichos. There's the old Jericho that Joshua and his army captured and destroyed. It would have been ruins in Jesus' day. Then there was the rebuilt Jericho that flourished and was an absolutely gorgeous, beautiful city when Jesus walked the earth. And these two cities, as you might expect, were right next to one another. So rather than a contradiction here, we simply have different viewing angles from these three authors. Two were looking at this scene as exiting the old Jericho, while one viewed the event as unfolding while Jesus was entering the newer city of Jericho. As it turns out, Jesus and a whole multitude of people traveling to Jerusalem from Galilee for the Passover would have had to pass through both of these Jericho sites on their way. The roads all converged. There was one main road and everybody came together coming from that direction, heading to Jerusalem. They all had to go through both of these Jericho sites. We're going to be reading from Mark's account today in Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Again, that's Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. And you are welcome to picture Jesus leaving old Jericho or entering new Jericho uh, or both because that's exactly what seems to have been happening here. In our text, as Jesus and his disciples are still en route to uh, Jerusalem, we come to Jesus' last miracle of healing recorded by Mark. And like all of our stories from the road, Jesus shows that while he may be set toward a particular destination for a particular purpose, he never loses sight of people and their needs. So this morning, we're going to look at Jesus's healing of a blind man named Bartimaeus. And the goal is to learn some valuable lessons on persistence, faith, and gratitude. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 46. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he's calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. Immediately, he regained his sight and began following him on the road. Let's talk about the scene for just a minute here. Jesus is on the road, and Mark says there was a large crowd traveling the road with him. Matthew and Luke also record a crowd. Now, this crowd would have been made larger by the fact that the Passover was approaching, and there would have been a a whole lot of Jews traveling this exact same path from Galilee to Jerusalem. Like I said before, by the time you get to Jericho, there's only the one main road that goes through there and on into Jerusalem. So that's kind of the, the scene here. Jesus has his disciples, but also several others who found themselves on the road with Jesus uh, at this time. Quite the audience there. Well, then Mark introduces this blind man who's sitting by the road where Jesus was getting ready to pass by. And Mark tells us his name. He says his name is Bartimaeus. And Bartimaeus hears the crowd and he understands that Jesus is passing by. I don't know exactly how he found out, if he heard them talking about it, if they were chanting, shouting, if he asked someone. One way or another, though, Bartimaeus knows that Jesus is passing by him with a great crowd. So he starts loudly begging for Jesus's help. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, realize that this is Bartimaeus' only real way to stop Jesus. He can't see him to go try to stand in front of him or grab him by the arm or stop him in some other way. He just has his words and he's pleading for Jesus to stop and help him. Now, the next part is sad. Some of the people in the crowd were trying to get Bartimaeus to be quiet, right? The Bible says many were sternly telling him to be quiet. Well, I'm glad that they couldn't silence Bartimaeus. Scripture says, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Thankfully, it worked too, right? Jesus stopped and he told those around him to call this blind man over to him. Now, Bartimaeus had people encouraging him at this point. They said in verse 49, take courage, stand up. He's calling for you right? They were saying, now's your chance, Bart. Jesus wants to see you. He's calling for you. How exciting is that? Well, you don't have to tell Bartimaeus twice, right? Verse 50 says that he threw aside his cloak, jumped up, and came to Jesus. So Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Of course, Bartimaeus says that he wants to be able to see again. And just like that, Jesus completely restores his eyesight. But Bartimaeus isn't finished with Jesus at this point. After being healed, Bartimaeus joins Jesus on the road. Imagine having your eyesight miraculously restored by the Messiah and then following him on the road on into Jerusalem for the Passover. Luke 18.43 says, Immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. Bear in mind, all of this happened while Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. On his way to Jerusalem to be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, to be condemned to death, handed over to the Gentiles, mocked, spat upon, scourged, and killed, and raised three days later. But Jesus still has time for people, time for the needs of people, time to meet the needs of people, and the desire and the power to do so. We serve a very loving, very caring Lord, and what a wonderful example he is for us. But there's another example in this story that we should learn from, and that is the example of Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is a living lesson on three things, persistence, faith, and gratitude. Persistence, faith, and gratitude. So first, let's talk about what kind of example Bartimaeus gives us for persistence. How was he persistent? Well, take a look again at our text in Mark chapter 10, verse 48. The scripture says, Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, do you know what it sounds like to be sternly told to be quiet? let me tell you, they probably weren't saying, listen, buddy, I am very serious. You need to be quiet. Not another word, okay? No, more than likely, they were shouting things like, are you serious? Shut up, man. He doesn't want to talk to you. Oh boy, I wonder what you want. Zip it, man. This is Jesus. He's got more important things to do. Would you be quiet? He doesn't have time for you. Quit yelling like that. He can't help what's wrong with you. Have you ever been sternly told to be quiet? When we talk about it in theory, you kind of know that you, you shouldn't let the negative voices silence you. But when you're really there in the moment experiencing it, it's happening to you, sometimes the voices get in your head. They suck the energy out of you. They zap all of your passion and your, your optimism, and you just don't feel like doing what you were doing anymore. Let's think about the reality of Bartimaeus' situation here. I mean, really put yourself in his sandals. You know what the negative voices do to you. Now consider yourself a blinded beggar, being told to stuff it. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Somehow, Bartimaeus had confidence that Jesus could provide what he needed, and no man was going to stop him from making every effort he was capable of making to get to Jesus. The Lord knows our needs. He knew what Bartimaeus needed, but he wants us to ask. He likes to answer our prayers. He could give us everything he already knows we need, but he wants to give us the answer to our prayers. He wants to demonstrate for our own good that he can do whatever we ask of him. In Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 and 8, Jesus taught it like this. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, no guarantees if we don't go after it, if we don't ask, seek, and knock. The Lord wants us to ask for his help, and he wants us to be persistent. At the beginning of Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a parable about a widow who needed legal protection from this person who was apparently harassing her. So she goes to the judge and asks and asks and asks. And she comes back and she asks some more and some more. She kept coming to this judge and asking him to grant her this legal protection. And this judge was, he's not a God-fearing guy. And he didn't really care about people's opinions. But because this woman never gave up, eventually he gave in. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 7, Jesus says, now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? And the implied answer is, of course, that God will bring about justice. He will do that for his people who do cry out to him day and and night. People who are persistent in their pleas. Is it possible that so many of our problems continue to exist because we lose our focus too quickly? We aren't persistent? We remember to ask every once in a while, what could happen if we were all persistent in prayer? What could happen if we were all persistent in prayer about COVID-19? Our government, our godless nation, our unbelieving friends, our denominational friends, our broken family, our sick family, our understanding of the scriptures, our children, our church. You fill in the blank. What could happen? What is God capable of doing when we are persistent? Ask, seek, knock. God likes to answer prayer. Don't give up. Will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? Yeah, when I look at Bartimaeus here, I'm reminded of the value of persistence. But we should also be reminded of the significance of faith. The significance of faith. We know that Bartimaeus had faith because Jesus said it in verse 52 of our text. He said, go, go. Your faith has made you well. And Jesus says Bartimaeus was healed that day because of his faith. Now, of course, it is completely possible for Jesus to know what is in the heart and mind of Bartimaeus. It's possible that Jesus simply knew what Bartimaeus um, was thinking, that he had real faith. But I'm just curious, was there anything in this interaction with Jesus on the road that might have tipped him off a little sooner? a little earlier. Is there anything we might read and say, oh, right there, there's proof of his faith? Well, sure there is. Look at verse 47. Look at what Bartimaeus was crying out. He was saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David has significance. Son of David means you're the Messiah. Bartimaeus believed Jesus was the promised Messiah of God and his statement proved it. And when a bunch of people from the crowd told him to knock it off and be quiet, Bartimaeus didn't stop. And again, he cried out louder and louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. He was saying, Messiah, help me. Messiah, deliver me. That's what the effect of Bartimaeus' words would have been. Bartimaeus believed Jesus was the Messiah. He believed Jesus could make him whole again and no one could stop him. How do we petition God? Where are our hearts when we ask of God? Where are our minds when we ask God for anything? I hope we're like Bartimaeus. Nobody was going to talk him out of asking the Lord for deliverance. He was confident that Jesus was just the man he needed to see, and he knew that if he asked Jesus, he could be healed. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will— he hears us. I pray we have that kind of faith. Faith that never doubts that God is able to do what we ask. Faith that never doubts that God is the one, the one who holds the power to right our wrongs, to fix our brokenness, and to heal our hurts and our hearts. Listen to James chapter 1 verses 6 through 8, where James writes about how to receive what we ask of God. He says, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Compare your faith to Bartimaeus, a blind beggar who could have only heard of the miracles that had been performed by Jesus. He couldn't have seen them for himself. He couldn't have seen the leper cleansed, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the blind see. He is the literal, physical, and spiritual epitome of Jesus's words in the second half of John chapter 20, verse 29, where he said, blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Or as Paul said it in Romans 10 17, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We need faith that doesn't waver when sternly told to be quiet. We need faith that doesn't change its mind when told to shut up. We need faith that doesn't doubt that God can definitely deliver. We need faith like Bartimaeus. But we also need gratitude like Bartimaeus. The gratitude of Bartimaeus was was evident even before the miracle happened. Have you ever seen pre-gratitude? It's a real thing, and it's a great thing. You see, Bartimaeus was already showing how thankful he was when he called Jesus Rabboni in verse fifty-one. Rabboni is the most reverent form of the rabbi title that we know of. This was the most reverent way to address Jesus as master and teacher. Clearly, Bartimaeus is so grateful, so thankful, even before he asked the question, just grateful to be able to stand in the presence of Jesus, to have Jesus' attention, to be able to ask Jesus, specifically to be able to ask Jesus for this healing. Because he knows he's the one who can do it. His reverence, his respect, the honor that he is showing the Lord here demonstrates his overflowing gratitude before he even asks the question. But of course, after Jesus makes Bartimaeus well, after uh, Bartimaeus regains his eyesight, his gratitude is very clearly demonstrated. Jesus said, go, your faith has made you well. We might have expected Bartimaeus or, or anyone being healed here to go home, to go to the home of a family member, to go into town and, and show off, to go into town and just see what you can see now. But instead... He joins himself into the group of Jesus' followers who were on the road with him. And then over in Luke chapter 18, verse 43, this is one of those parallel accounts. I quoted this verse earlier, but here in Luke 18, 43, we have some additional details of Bartimaeus' gratitude. Scripture says, immediately he regained his sight and began following him, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, They gave praise to God. Bartimaeus was so genuinely thankful that he followed Jesus on the road right on into Jerusalem, and as he did, he glorified God the whole time. I can only imagine the words that were coming out of his mouth, the shouts, the the chants, the cries of of gratitude, maybe even the songs that he was singing, and all the people, that whole multitude, that large crowd that was traveling that one road— into Jerusalem, from Jericho, they were all hearing it. They were all seeing it. And so they gave praise to God. As the church of Christ here on earth today, we ought to be the most thankful people on this planet. And that's not just hyperbole. That's not exaggerated at all. That's the literal truth. We ought to be abounding or overflowing with gratitude for for all that God has done and is doing right now in our lives. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Church, we're to be a group of people who are overflowing with gratitude. Everything we do should be an occasion to give thanks to God. Colossians 3:17 says, "Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father." Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the road and in spirit. And Bartimaeus was so filled with gratitude for what Jesus did that he went along that road to Jerusalem glorifying God. Church I can't help but wonder if the reason that many of us are not out along the road glorifying God like we should in such a way that men turn from their current path and get on Jesus' straight and narrow path is because of a gratitude problem. Maybe we need a gratitude adjustment. We need to see all that Jesus has done for us. We need to understand where we were and where we would still be without the cross of Christ. We need to reconsider the reward made possible by the resurrection. We need to see that Jesus has supernaturally made us whole. We need to get the fire of gratitude burning in our chests again. What will you do with the example of Bartimaeus today? Is this morning just another sermon? Or is this the day when your eyes have been opened and you begin the journey of strengthening these areas of your life. Persistence, faith, and gratitude. God wants us to be persistent in our asking, seeking, and knocking. And he requires faith at all times, genuine faith. And over and over again in his word, he calls us to be filled or even overflowing with gratitude. As we finish things up here today, I'd like to ask those of you listening on the radio right now the most important question that any of us could ever be asked. It's a question that each and every single one of us needs to be able to answer honestly. Here's the question. If the Lord were to return today, do you know for sure, no doubts, that you'd go to live with Him forever? I mean, do you know for certain that He's going to let you into heaven? Can a person even know? In first John chapter 5, verse 13, the Apostle John writes that we can know. He says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. In Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses seven through nine, Scripture says that there's coming a day when the Lord Jesus Christ will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power." So according to the Bible here, somebody's gonna get in trouble when Jesus returns. Somebody's gonna pay. Now, who did this passage of scripture say was gonna pay the penalty of eternal destruction? Well, there are two groups listed here, those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now, maybe you know God, but have you obeyed the gospel? If you haven't obeyed the gospel, please know that we would love to talk with you about your situation. We would love to answer any questions that you have, but we would sincerely appreciate the opportunity to discuss with you the costs of following Christ. If you're interested, just keep listening, and we'll tell you in just a moment how you can get in touch with us. Just listen to the current sermon from liberty christian church the very same sermon that you would have heard today at our in-person services i'm jake brown and on behalf of the church i want to thank you for listening to today's broadcast If you're in the area, I want to encourage you to join us in person at Liberty Christian Church. We meet each Sunday at 1030 AM and again at 6 PM. Join us at 1030 AM or 6 PM or come to both each and every Sunday at 8774 North US Highway 421 in Madison, Indiana. That's 8774 North US Highway 421, Madison, Indiana. If you'd like to call us and leave a message on the church phone. Just call 812-273-1518. That's 812-273-1518. Please leave us a message. Let us know that you heard us on the radio. Let us know why you're calling and let us know how we can best follow up with you. You can also go to our website, www.liberty-christian.com. Again, that's www.liberty-christian.com. And you can send us a message directly from our website. Also on our website, you can listen to this message again, if you'd like, Or you can access a whole archive of past messages by just clicking on listen now. But again, we'd love to have you join us in person if you're physically able to do so. Jesus created his church as a body of people. His church is a family made up of sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, and we've been called to meet together regularly. And the pattern that we see from the church in the Bible is that they met every Sunday. So, if you're able. Come meet with us next Sunday right here at Liberty Christian Church in beautiful Madison, Indiana. We love you, God loves you, and it is our prayer that He will bless you this week as you seek His truth.